while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is producer Jonathan Rosenfall, who is a co-producer of All Square, which won the Narrative Spotlight Audience Award at South by Southwest Film Festival. All Square is directed by John Hyam, and he directed the screenplay by Timothy Brady. It's a paperclip limited production in association with Millhouse Motion Pictures with producers Jordan Foley and my guest today, Jonathan Rosenthal. So, Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Glad to finally get a chance to talk to you. Um, yeah, same here. Yeah. So, you know, All Square is already out there uh, and doing some wonderful things, but there are things to come. Tell us about um, uh, the South by Southwest Conference and Festivals in March. Let's start with that. South by? Well, first of all, even if you didn't South by, it was... Uh... It was a crazy, crazy thing that happened just because our, you know this, but our post schedule essentially took two months, which is about a third of what you would usually have. Yes. Um, we submitted a, a rough assembly and got into the festival, and uh, which was great, and everyone was patting themselves on the on their back, and then all of a sudden the realization sunk in that, oh, wow, now we actually have to finish this film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, just, just getting the film in the can, so to speak, on time, and having it ready to present the South by was, I think, uh, something we all took as a win. And then, um, you know, it's always great to have the recognition of your peers. Yes. Um, just as, as a way to say you're on the right track and you know, doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that audience award, we didn't even really realize that we were in contention. So to, to receive that, um, we had all already left the festival. I think we got an email Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those uh, check the sender, check the address, make sure it went to the right person sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first time I got a call like that, about, I remember saying the, the silly thing, like, as we might all say, and that is, oh, stop kidding me. And, and, <laughs> and she, she said, no, 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 hold on, I've got him on the phone, just a moment. And so there we were. Anyway, All Square has... 
a tremendous uh, start. Uh, April 26th or May 3rd, you will be at the uh, Newport Beach Film Festival. And Correct. and what are your thoughts? What are your hopes for that? Um, well, I, we ended up there just because of, of the kind of momentum that we had coming out of South by. I think yes. that it was a great little splash and a great way to kind of start us out on the festival circuit. Newport and Sunscreen Film Fest in St. Petersburg both reached out to us and just asked if they could screen our film, which is, you know, always kind of a, a good <laughs> feeling when people seek you out. Exactly. Um, yeah. But so, I mean, for here, it's just we're just trying to get in, in, in front of as many faces and on as many screens as possible and, and you know, doing the whole uh, indie filmmaking thing, which is essentially guerrilla marketing. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been fortunate and blessed thus far to have, you know, a pretty pretty momentous start to this little run, and, you know, hopefully it's uphill from here. And, you know, and, and I know of what you speak, uh, indie filmmaking, uh, independent filmmaking, producing an indie is a challenge, as any filmmaking is, as any art is, but an indie comes with, I think, a few more layers or, or uh, hurdles, shall we say, to overcome, not the least of which is getting a budget and getting a cast that will work within that budget. Now, oh, yeah. tell us a little about how the financing came together, but I want to get to the cast because that's that's and the crew, but uh, how did All Square pull together a budget that was... A workable, manageable, and produce such a marvelous, marvelous uh, film. Well, uh, for our, our budget is kind of the recipe. It uh, it's always the same, um, and we kind of more seek out projects that we know can fit our model rather than trying to reverse engineer it. So we we go out, you know, kind of knowing what the task at hand is rather than just trying to do anything within a marginal means. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, I mean, we, we kind of, this being our, our third film now and, you know, a couple more on the horizon, we have our formula kind of already laid out. So it, it's more so just finding the right project. And this was just for us, you know, it was manageable locations, minimal stunts and, and all that. You can, you, can, you can call it stunts within a film like this. But to your point, the, the biggest hurdle on a project like this is the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and each film is different. But on um, this one in particular, having Michael as a producer, Michael Kelly, yes, um, and being the lead, uh, he, he is, you know, having my background in acting as well, he is really an actor's actor. Oh, yes. And, uh, it, it's surprising the amount of the amount of talented actors that when they hear someone like that is attached or involved mm-hmm. are willing to jump at the, uh, the opportunity just to have a chance to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and films of this size really are movie camp you know I think a lot of people uh, can kind of appreciate and realize the fact that doing a project like this you're going to be on set and there's going to be a lot of synergy and it really is a true collaboration versus versus like a lot of uh, big budget films that may end up feeling kind of like color color by numbers mm-hmm. so to speak where you know you, you show up as a work for hire you do your part punch in you punch out and that's that this you know everyone can really see the effort they put in end up on screen, and I think that's something special. Yes, and and All Square is special. I've I've not seen the film; it's not widely released yet. But I have right. seen the trailer, and I got to tell you, as I told Jordan, it it it's it just you nailed it. You just nailed it. It looks big budget, and the trailer itself really tells us what we need to know without giving away anything. <laughs> right. that's, that's, 
and, and I guess we should say, when you say we, you're talking about uh, Millhouse Motion Pictures uh, with Jordan Foley and you, but also, as you right. said, uh, Michael Kelly uh, joined in wearing the producer hat, too, as did a couple of other people, yes? Yeah, Yardley Smith, who is the voice of Lisa Simpson and also a very, very extremely talented actress in her own right. Yes. Uh, and her producing partner, Ben Cornwall. The two of them represent uh, Paperclip Limited, and they are uh, one of our producing partners as far as co-financing and co-producer goes on the last two films. And as Yardley Smith always reminds people, her name may be spelled as Yardley looking, but her name is Yardley Smith, and she wants people to use it. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and be careful as to not use the other one. Exactly. She doesn't like that. But but we ought to also, uh, there may be people, you know, a larger audience knows the actors uh, and the faces of stars, and especially on a show like House of Cards. But um, right. we should explain who Michael Kelly is, just in case there are a few out there that don't know. Well, for me, uh, Michael Kelly, the first time he ever kind of caught my eye was he played the doctor in Unbreakable, oh, yes. uh, which was M. Night Shyamalan's uh, film with Bruce Willis. And he had like this tiny little minor scene, but for so many people, um, he kind of he stole the show in that one moment, and that was kind of what got him off and running, I think, for a lot of people. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he was just a really, really talented, amazing actor, just a really great guy. If you've seen House of Cards, it's funny, because in person he is the antithesis of Doug Stamper, yes. the character he plays on House of Cards. He's just like a sweet, genuine, grounded guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I always liked his character because it, it takes a special talent, which clearly Michael Kelly has, but to walk that razor's edge, if you will, that he is, he cleans up after the president on House of Cards, but he does it in a way that shows his humanity as well. You know, he tries to ride that, that rail, if you will. And I, I always am so impressed with actors and, and, and directors who can ask this of someone, that they can see that this, none of us are just one thing. And, right. and and Michael Kelly certainly goes a long way to show that, and as does the script and the shooting of uh, All Square. Again, the director is John uh, Hyam, and the screenplay, Timothy Brady. Where did you get your crew? It's amazingly well shot. Uh, that, again, is all kudos and thanks to Michael. Uh, I would say 70% of our crew uh, were actually off the House of Cards crew. Wow. Um, again, we're all guys that, you know, have been in the trenches, so to speak, with Michael. And when they found out he was, he was doing his own little indie with him as the lead, they all kind of jumped at the opportunity. And, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, like you said, it shows on screen. They really had a really talented, hard-looking crew. Yes. Um, and that's what you need to pull off a, a film of this caliber in the uh, time and budget restraints that we had. And the young boy who uh, plays baseball. And changes Richard lives. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, what's his name again, and how did you find him? His name's Jesse Ray Sheps, and uh, he he was just a godsend, really. We, I mean, I'm sure anyone in the industry knows finding finding talented and easy to work with child actors is an art in and of itself. Um, and we must have seen and read a big cluster of fifty or sixty kids over a month and a half, two months span. We started mm-hmm. locally in Baltimore and just kind of had a hard time finding someone that really fit the mold. 
and then opened, opened it up to uh, the full U.S. and found him by chance in New York. Um, we had a, a casting director friend that was based out of there that was really kids for us. She called and said, I, I found the kid. Mm. Um, and John and Michael flew up to New York to go sit and meet with him and read with him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, he really, and especially, it, it's it's such a, it, it's such a tall order to fill because, you know, I think for a lot of roles, there are for kids of that age range, there is a tendency to kind of have this overacting kind of Disney approach mm. to the craft mm-hmm. and to find a kid that can really just be a real kid yes. and react and respond the way a kid would with, you know, limited knowledge of the world and understanding and also having that curiosity and, and humanity about it without feeling larger than life. It's tough to do. Yes. <laughs> my hat off to him. And holding his own toe-to-toe with uh, Michael Kelly. That's that's not bad. Right. <laughs> that's quite an achievement. Um, but you know what I liked about the scenes that I saw between uh, Michael and Jesse is that, that they have conversations. I, I have a problem when I see, especially on film, when people are saying their lines. They're talking past one another. But to have a real conversation... Just listen to what the other person says and, and and then respond, and you just happen to respond with your written dialogue. That is an achievement in itself. I, I think, um, from an acting standpoint, I think that um, that ability to listen and respond, uh, to act and react, is the key. What are, what are your thoughts, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, first and foremost, just his ability to be moment-to-moment and mm. not be stuck in this oh I gotta say this line yes. like this or, or I gotta make sure I don't forget to do that and really like you said be alive in the scene and just have a conversation it's a hard thing I think for most actors let alone most kids to grasp just because there is you know the worst word an actor can hear is action yes um, <laughs> yes you know, you hear action it's like oh I gotta start acting I know um, when so simply it's just being a person in a place mm. doing something the magic of forgetting the camera is there. Uh, right. it, it takes it takes some doing. So to find it in so young a person, uh, I mean, Michael Kelly has certainly nailed it. Uh, I, 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 few are so in the moment. It seems to me so in both not only in the moment but in the skin of the character, without any knowledge of what's going on. And we know all of us who've been on a film set. Everything's going on, <laughs> you know. I mean, there are people all around. There are cameras and cables and lights, you know. Um, uh, how you, you were on the set in most days? Yeah, I, I'm mainly the, one of the creative producers, so I'm I'm there every good, day. Good. I love that. I love that. All right. Um, I do want to talk more about the rest of the cast. You have quite a a lineup, I think, and um, about the actual coming together of All Square. We haven't really told you a lot about All Square. I don't want to give away anything, but I'll let Jonathan talk in the next segment, and he can tell you as much as he wants to tell you. But I, from the trailer, my opinion is, having been on another a number of film sets myself, uh, I, I think this is so incredibly solid. It's so tight. It's so human. And, and perhaps even, uh, maybe this isn't as true anymore, but still, comparatively, there are few films, indie or otherwise, that capture the life and lifestyle and situations that All Square captures. What 
do you think? Am I am I? Put, no, I, I think you nail it on the head. Uh, I, I think part of one of my biggest issues with contemporary filmmaking is that we've the view has kind of fallen on this larger than life mentality mm. versus taking a look at the the common and the blue collar kind of day to day storyline that really are are more grounded and more real yes. and, and bring up more poignant topics than a lot of these kind of inflated fictional works that just are a great escape and daydream, but that's all they are. They're mm. not really grounded in any sort of, of reality. Um, and, and yeah, All Square, very poetically so, does that. And I think it does a really good job of blending reality and comedy and being grounded in, in, in just you know, real-life topics and themes. Um, without swaying too much in one direction. Mm-hmm. Just tell the story. Be honest. Yeah. Tell the story. And, and and in closing of this segment, anyway, I, a quick story. I had a mentor years ago before I ever voted uh, in any election. He called me down to Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, uh, I mean, he was a major attorney, licensed with the Supreme Court. He he was very much involved in the um, environmental agreement between Canada and America. So. He, he knew what he, of which he was talking, but he said to me, I want you to know one thing, Marcello. America is more than New York City, Washington, D.C., and California. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> and so I would, so like, I would like to say he would have been very pleased with All Square. We're going to be right back with my guest today, producer Jonathan Rosenthal, All Square. I promise we'll give you some more, with, but, but not spoiler alerts. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. At the Indie Film Minute, we admire the spirit of filmmakers who simply make it happen. Trust us, a career in filmmaking is no easy task, and when opportunities do not present themselves, we salute those who refuse to turn away and simply make their own opportunity. Soul Proprietor is a dark noir puzzle writhing in the gutter of hopelessness. It was written, produced, and directed by Dan Everly, who also stars as Crowley, a burned-out CIA dark asset. Done with a job, Crowley wants a new identity and a new life, and he knows how to get it. He contracts with a mob who will, for a fee, provide the new identity. But then they change the deal. Instead of paying cash, he will do a job for them. While waiting for details, Crowley turns to the internet for companionship. There he meets Sophie, a femme fatale, with an agenda of her own. She senses that Crowley from the internet has the skills she needs, and subtly she zeroes him in on her own target. There are twists and turns and ugliness behind every corner, and in the end, enough turns can bring you back to your start. A dangerous place to be. Sole proprietor. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is film producer Jonathan Rosenthal, who, with his partner Jordan Foley of Millhouse Motion Pictures, has produced an independent film that has certainly caught my attention and admiration. It's called All Square. Now, Jonathan, All Square is... Um, well, explain the term in, in terms of your film and baseball. What is well, in terms of the film and sports betting, All Square means to be all settled up within a bet. But I, I think there's a couple different layers to it as yes. far as, I mean, within the film itself, 
Michael Kelly plays a, a blue collar bookie who is down on his luck and kind of comes up with a unorthodox means of bringing himself kind of into a more financially stable position, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so well put. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's largely about your average Joe who, uh, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's not a good guy either. Mm-hmm. He's kind of out for number one. And, um, a, a lot of a lot of his life is kind of uh, in spite of everyone else, including his father and, and former love interest and so on. Mm-hmm. And um, for him to become all square, I think he just has to move an inch. And that inch is him just being enough of a better guy or having enough self-reflection to kind of slightly alter his ways. And, and that's largely what the story really is about is, not really about the betting it's about this guy just kind of taking a look in the mirror and what it takes for that to happen yes you know film uh, screenplays uh, teleplays theater all of it is at its best of course when it has a, a journey and we see that journey it's not overblown we get to sort of make the journey with uh, the, Michael's character John but he's not the only one making a journey uh, and and I love that because you you see that everyone is growing. We don't necessarily know where he's going to end up forever, but we know he's been he's been changed, and he has changed lives too. Tell tell us about his um, uh, what you can about the relationship uh, with his old high school, shall we say, classmate. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, it's it's interesting because it it sets itself up in a traditional manner where you, you without giving too much away, you expect them to kind of reconnect and there to be this very Hollywood uh, happy family white picket fence ending. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happens mm-hmm. because that's not what happens in real life. That's and right. I think in a lot of ways she's there to serve as a catalyst for change, mm-hmm. but she herself is not the change. That's right. Um, well, I um, I like. Uh, first of all, she is always grand, and uh, I, I like uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. I mean, oh, there's just so many people. Uh, Yardley Smith. I mean, uh, Harris. All all of them. Josh Lucas. They're just some great yeah. talent there. I hope I didn't leave anyone out, but you can. We can add them as you think of them too as we go. Tom Everett Scott, always a always a talented guy. Yes. He really has a couple feeling moments as far as the comedic relief goes. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so we we find ourselves in what Jordan told me uh, is a blue-collar town. And I said to him, I, I'd never heard of a blue-collar town. And, of course, his response was, I could hear it in his silence. Of course you have. You just don't <laughs> think about them. Um, now... <laughs> You know what I mean? Now, he didn't say that to me, but I it, I always tell actors, trust the silence, because there was this silence that I could hear Jordan thinking, of course you do. We just don't think about them. How, how having said that, how do you, um, do you start out, I mean, you say uh, you and Jordan search for your scripts. You're not just send us, send us, send us. You're looking for things that, that marry 
not just your budgets, uh, but I think also there's a philosophy here. Can you share a little of what what kinds of stories are you trying to tell? Are they the about the towns and people that we just don't see that often? And if we do, we make fun of them in sitcoms. Right. I think first and foremost, as kind of a golden rule of ours, we, we don't set out to make any film that we ourselves wouldn't want to watch mm. and wouldn't want to watch repeatedly. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it's the best films that we watch again and again half hoping that the ending will turn out differently though we know it won't yes. or the stuff that we watch again and again because we relish the characters that develop within them even though we already know where it's going yes. um, and to that point I think films like All Square uh, budget and all that sense aside I mean of course there, there are technical things to take into consideration like uh, to your point making a film about a blue collar town you know that uh, the world will kind of fall slightly under a microscope, mm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you can keep it contained. And for us, I mean, taking over a little town where we know that given the right place, we could get the whole town behind us. And that's really what it takes to kind of make a, a little film like this that has a, like a big feel to it. Yes. You, know, you get you get all those hundred extras showing up at ball games or people wanting to open their their homes and families up to you to let you kind of capture that slice of Americana um, all while maintaining a budget. And then I think films like this, this is what America's really like. And mm-hmm. I think there's something beautiful in that rather than trying to, you know, give it a facelift. Just, this is, this is who we are. This is mm-hmm. what our country's like. These are the people that, these are the average shows that are really the brick and mortar of this country and it's it's not these like you said flashy LA New mm. York these polarized um, epicenters of culture that that's kind of what we put on a pedestal and glamorize but mm. that's, that's not necessarily that is not representative of, of the, the greater populace exactly it's not really the people who swing the pendulum uh, right. in, in so many ways in our country and I applaud, I must admit, I wasn't an early uh, appreciator of such films as All Square, but after I got introduced to things like um, uh, Justify, and uh, there's another that uh, I really love to great, oh, oh, oh um, Longmire. And then, yeah. uh, you know, and then you, you really get, it's, it's incredibly inspiring, uplifting, and in, uh, in, in, uh, embellishing if you will it it it, it emboldened me it educated me it it broadened me that's the word i'm looking for and and so by the time i saw all square the trailer i thought wow this has been nailed uh and speaking of blue collar towns now years ago i was a, a student at the peabody conservatory of music so i know baltimore very well but you went to an area of baltimore that lent itself extremely well to the kinds of things I think you were describing. Tell us uh, what made you choose that area. We we found this lovely little town called Dundalk, which mm. is about 30 minutes north of Baltimore proper. Mm-hmm. Um, and we must have spent close to, nearly close to a month, scouting all around uh, greater Maryland. And it, it was just kind of one of those places that 
the words kind of jump off the page and come mm. to life. Mm-hmm. You know, driving around, it, it, it felt like it really just encapsulated and embodied everything that the, the script required. Um, and beyond that, I mean, the, being a, a big city boy like I am, there's mm. always preconceived notions, but you know, stepping off the plane, so to speak, everyone was just so welcoming and yes. so eager to, to get behind us and, and help us out, and which is, sure, as you know, not always the case, and a lot of films have a, a really hard time being welcomed yes. uh, in certain communities, but um, they, I don't think we had a single issue mm. uh, where that was concerned, where we didn't have people that were literally bending over backwards to just try to help us out, not because they wanted anything out of it, but just out of the, the goodness of their hearts. Yes. Baltimore because was, it's exciting to make a movie. It's yeah. awesome. I think to a lot of people, it's cool to be a part of that and to share in that, that creative experience, no matter how limited their hand is. In other words, they weren't just standing around as spectators. They were there to make your life a little easier, and then they, oh, yeah. and then they filled in as fans at the ball games. Fans of the ball game, bar patrons, we had, you know... We, we, as far as locations go, required a couple of very specific pieces. Uh-huh. And we had people that weren't on the payroll that were going, oh, you need a house like this? Oh, I have a buddy, a friend of a friend of a friend. I'll make a call. And here, just jump in my truck and we'll go. Um, so many things like that. Yes. Uh, yeah. We had, and then the Little Leaguers, we had uh, the, the commissioner of the Little League that was just, he was our fixer. He was our guy. He mm. was. He's like, oh, you need 50 kids on Saturday. I got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the shortcomings of shooting somewhere that, as far as film goes, is remote. As, when it comes to extras and equipment, you really got to kind of uh, make your mana. Yes. You know, you, you got to make things come together in a non-traditional way, um, and we couldn't have done it without them. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. I, I remember Baltimore quite fondly. I don't get there much of these days, but uh, um, I remember the mayor, and I can't remember his name, but he was mayor uh, uh, before I moved to Baltimore, but I knew who he was, and walking down the street one day, and I, hello, mayor, how are you? And we stopped and talked for 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, he wanted to know what I did, what, you know, it was just, it's just that kind of place, um, yeah. and it's a, it's different, I would throw this out for whatever people want to make of it. I drive around the Washington, D.C. Beltway a great deal for various things in my work. Uh, and But when I drive around the Baltimore Beltway, it's an entirely different world. What, if anything, do you want to say about that, Jonathan? I mean, it really is. It's, it's unlike you know the rest of the country that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. You have all these uh, fishing and naval influences, but you have a a town that is one of the original colonial towns that is riddled with history, and at the same time, there's, you get this kind of clash of the old and new world there um, because of it, and it's um, just an interesting place to have to live for six months, mm-hmm. um, especially for Jordan because he's allergic to shellfish, so crab was out for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Poor Jordan. He's, <laughs> he's going to hear this, you know. Uh, anyway... <laughs> I, I'm, you know, and, and there are parts of Baltimore that still wash their white steps every morning. Uh, it's, yeah. it, in many ways, it was, 
it's it didn't it didn't stop developing or growing hardly and it certainly has 21st century challenges like any city in in america but uh, but it has captured still a certain quality i know what it is it's a good neighbor quality that's what i always right. thought in baltimore okay so how much can you tell us um uh jesse plays the the kid and uh his big thing is uh well i'll say two things he challenges he has a life on the on the baseball field and uh, and life with those who are who are taller than he is <laughs> what can you tell <laughs> what, what how does he how does he deal with that and where does michael kelly's character john come in well i think uh now, when John, Michael Keller's character, finds Jesse, uh, Jesse's in a lot of ways kind of a like a blank slate. Mm. He's, he's not necessarily the nerdy kid. He's not necessarily athletic, but it's because he's been raised largely by his mother who mm. has to work two jobs just to make ends meet. Mm. And um, because of that, he's kind of been left to his own devices and hasn't really had a chance to develop those sort of things that typically need to be nurtured out of a kid. Yes. Um, and when Michael meets him, it's, Michael is such a opportunist that he doesn't really see anything to be gained from the kid. Mm-hmm. But slowly but surely, just in their first interaction, Jesse starts changing Michael, which inspires Michael, whether it's subconsciously or not, to start kind of nurturing the kid's potential. Um, with his particular and, style uh, for doing so. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, but in Michael's eyes, yes. the kid is, getting, is mutually benefiting. You know, he's learning how to play baseball, uh, he's getting friends because of that, and he's participating in life. So in his eyes, they're both getting something out of it. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I don't think I'm giving away too much when I say what's in the trailer because you can see that online. Um, but uh, uh, there are uh, two lines that really stand out for me. One is Michael Kelly's uh, character, John, who says, uh, in, in answer to Jesse at some point, he says, um, uh, what was it? Look, kid, I'm, I, I'm not sure if I told your mother I'd be looking out for you or not. <laughs> And there's, you know, and there's a lot behind that, of course, um, including the fact that he probably doesn't remember saying anything like that. Um, but the other is Pamela uh, Adlin, who I love. Um, she says, somebody owes you money and you got hit in the face. What's my... Yeah, tell us about that, because we, we're, I know we're dancing around a lot of details, but um, John has... Uh, come up with an idea that he thinks is going to make him a lot of money. Uh, uh, people betting with their hearts, to quote him. Um, how, when the word gets out, it certainly gets out to parents or whatever, but gambling anywhere in America, um, if there's a new outlet, a new income source, how's that? Um, people find out and people of various, uh, uh, let's say, um, Social uh, development. <laughs> I don't know. We make. I'm making this more complicated than it needs to be. People are figuring it out, maybe. But uh, let them go see it is what I say. But tell me, wh- what what is what is that major challenge that John has to go through? Not so much with Jesse's character, but 
with uh, Michael Kelly's own characters, past, present, and who knows what future? Well, the, the movie finds Michael Kelly's character uh, down on his luck, more so because he has what's called too much money out. Uh, and when you're a bookie, you take bets, and when people don't pay up or settle up, that leaves you in a place where all of a sudden now you're you're financially vulnerable. Mm. Um, so the line, someone owes you money and you got in the face, um, within the first act, Michael is owed money around town by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a funny situation to have where in theory you're doing great because everyone owes you money, mm-hmm. but no one's paying up. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. kind of a pickle. Um, and, and yeah, one of the, one of the earlier scenes, Michael refuses a beer from a patron who owes him money, uh, just on principle, and the guy punches him in the face because he disrespected him. <laughs> <laughs> There's something a little twisted about that, Jonathan. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to have to go soon, but before we go. Tell us how we can see the film. Give us your website, uh, other things that are up for uh, Millhouse uh, Productions. If you want to see the film, it is screening uh, the 28th of April at the Sunscreen Film Festival in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it is also at the closing night at Newport Film Festival, May 3rd. Um, our website is www.mhmp.tv. Um, and we also have another film, Desolate, um, that is coming out soon. And we are almost done with our third film, Alone, which will be airing most likely at the Toronto Film Festival. Oh, wow. Fabulous. Uh, where are you headquartered? Are you out west? We're in Los Angeles. Los yeah. Angeles, yes, I thought so. Okay. Well, Jonathan, we do have to go, but uh, take us out on um, what it is you'd like us to take away from this marvelous uh, independent film, All Square. What's the takeaway? The takeaway, I think, is just that it's never too late to change, and even if changing only means moving an inch, that's enough. Yes, I noticed you said that early on in this interview. All he has to do is move an inch. I mean, never will forget that. I thought, oh man, sometimes it really is just that. Our, our, yeah. our adjustment doesn't need to be some major, oh my God, life-threatening thing. Just one simple thing and we are something better. Okay. All right. Great talking to you. Oh, great talking to you too. This We've been talking to Jonathan Rosenthal, who is the co-producer of uh, All Square, an independent film that's making the festival of rounds uh, with great acclaim, I think it's fair to say. He co-produced uh, All Square with Jordan Foley and and others. Hi, <laughs> right. Jonathan, I'm sorry we have to go, but it's been absolutely uh, a tremendous pleasure to talk with you. And we Thank wish you, you so much for having me. We, yes, we wish you all the best, okay? Thank you. All right, bye now. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. The Fitz showed up in theaters for an instant, then faded into memory like a dream. Fitting, as the film itself is dreamlike, contemplative, insightful, visual poetry at times, and at others, a sensitive coming-of-age story. You might remember the news stories which must have inspired this film. 
In 2012, girls at a high school in Leroy, New York, suddenly started having unexplained seizures, such as the backbone of the fits. But what could have become a medical detective story gratefully becomes something more universal. Young Tony, a pre-adolescent on the cusp, diligently trains with her brother as a boxer at the local community center. There she observes the lionesses, a fierce championship dance team. These are the older girls, and she is drawn to their world. Soon after joining, one of the leaders has a seizure. It is the talk of the troop. Another leader succumbs. One by one, the girls fall. They become. We are in the world of metaphor. The Fitz asks more of its audience than the average film. It bravely raises questions without spoon-feeding answers, leaving much room for thought and contemplation. Easy entertainment? Perhaps not. But this rich, surreal journey has its own rewards. The Fitz. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Recapturing the flag from NRA's Russian maid, Make America Great Again. The ancient histories of Easter and Passover are as true, moving, and intertwined as our First Amendment is with Sister Jean, Me Too, and Never Again. Some celebrate with sunrise services and Easter egg hunts. Some tune in to tune out with reruns of the Ten Commandments and Easter Parade. Some search the heavens for falling China junk, fearing self-inflicted trade wars. And some, because of their skin color, are still forced to run for their lives. Don King is partially correct about one thing— People around the world may laugh at leaders shackled to the street, claiming greatness while casting a giant shadow of Holocaust, unending wars, national opioid and gun violence addiction, cuckled by an unfaithful president, ignorant of international stewardship, achieving 42% poll numbers with tweets that rally the underinformed with alternative facts. But 2018 special elections prove we who vote still are the power grid of, by, and for the people. Blinding 24 marketing hides in plain sight, jealousy, violent anger, and desperation consuming those who fear change. Like Congress, the Taliban shooting Malala, warmongering, Dick Cheney, John Bolton, appointed heads of government agencies euthanizing them. But in the wake of our 2018 Valentine's Day Massacre, my mind relives my teenage questions as inventive baby boomer creations bear witness to the next great political paradigm. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High Schoolers, 1960s students, and Kent State survivors united in writing the next chapters of FDR's New Deal, JFK's New Frontier, and MLK's Mountaintop. Long before Putin tipped our electoral scales, ignoring 2.9 million more voters, America's elections repeatedly proved Newton's third law. For every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. Why are we the people increasingly swinging our political pendulum further right and left, inciting extremes to ignore the core value of being centered, resulting in unending wars, poisonous Russian hack attacks, China's dictator for life, 
and disengaging education from our human infrastructure, children. Some fear if everyone of every creed, color, and heritage gets everything they want, there won't be enough. This tether hobbles American progress to trickle-down nothing, love it or leave it, and too big to jail, undermining middle-class blue and white-collar dreams, making us more susceptible to the violence of U.S. Army's JROTC and NRA-funded civilian marksmanship school programs. Being managed by Fox, MSNBC, and social media, how do we recapture the flag of renewal post-2016 elections? A herded America drowning in manipulated tone-deaf rivalry withers away thinking, curiosity, and reason. Cease and desist congressionally chartered schools where children are trained to fire automatic weapons. Honor 22 female senators who put their male counterparts on sexual harassment notice. Value educators and education with dollars and cents. Intimidate sexual harassment out of our culture. Replace corrupted election computers with honest human calculators. Can't we agree life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness grants all freedom to use their talents to make a difference to both family and future? Seeking resurrection of a republic, if we can keep it, mingled with my 2003 questions for Mom as she began her 12-year journey through the maze of Alzheimer's, Easter morning I poured my black coffee, loaded a favorite DVD, acquiesced being body pillow for two dogs, and reminisced about music soothing the savage breast. Then, watching War Admiral defeated by his owner's arrogance, I relived Mom's 2003 answer. Indeed, Seabiscuit was the little horse for poor people. Sustaining an American dream that reflects our ever-evolving nation of hope will sustain voting rights, affordable mental and physical health care, quality education, and justice for all. To be regenerated after emerging from our current swamp, we need embrace civil unity or risk America doomed to living tragically maimed. It's our duty to exasperate powers preferring low voter turnout, presidential spewing dishonesty that rots Easter eggs, for wisdom schools us. Despite underfunded education and devalued teachers, boycotting, marching in peaceful assembly, and voting remain our best kingly resistance. Because conservative financiers scripting the propaganda that people of color, LGBTQ, and gun violence don't matter will fail before the power of truth. World peace is savior of America's soul. All vainglory is fleeting, and an educated child shall lead them. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices. Heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Dot com website. 
Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.